Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Athletes are mad, right? Um, coaches are mad. Like they, so it's, we're basically setting up a platform for them, right? We're setting up something so that if another situation, which we hope not, happens like this in the future, that we already know what to do. We're ahead of the curve, right? That we're going to have people there to have our back. We're going to make sure that we're reaching out and doing these things so that everybody feels comfortable, comfortable because we are a family. Welcome into the Alana Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher here. Thanks for tuning in as always. I know most of you tune into this podcast or visit the Alana Enquirer website to escape the noise of everyday world. Sports is an escape for most of us after all. It's why people are upset when real world, more meaningful, really, issues in life are brought into our sports world. But you can't separate sports from the real world because sports happens in the real world. Athletes, coaches, staff are real people with the same everyday issues you and I have. Sports is just a microcosm of society, but really sports is sometimes at the forefront of our society because unlike some parts of the country, sports is very, very diverse. People from all different backgrounds, including many minorities, interact. Athletes also draw attention to some of these issues that some of us don't pay attention to normally because it doesn't impact our lives They bring attention to those because they're such big celebrities that have big platforms to speak out on these issues. Across the country, you're seeing NCAA student athletes use their voices and platforms more than probably at any moment in history to address a big societal issue. Several of them, really, but police brutality and racial inequalities in the U.S. being at the top of it. Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, we're going to have a discussion about that with two Illini student athletes, Rayvon Bonner and Serenity Stewart. Some of you might not have much interest, but I encourage you to listen to their perspective. This is the student-athlete empowerment era, and Bonner and Stewart have helped form a new student-registered organization at the University of Illinois called, aptly, Empower, which stands for Enlightened Minorities Pursuing Opportunities Where Everyone Rises. The group started last fall, but is finding its voice now just as protests gather across the country. Bonner and Stewart have been a part of some of those protests. Coming up, my long discussion with two Illini about their experiences the last few weeks growing up a black man and a black woman in this country and their fight for change. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. My name is Ray Um I'm heading into my senior year. I'll be a grad student um, this fall um, due to graduating early. Um, and I play football. And I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I'm Serenity Stewart. I am from Virginia, the D.C. area. Um, I am a rising senior as well, and I'm a member of the softball team. Well, you guys are in part of a group called Empower. You are the leaders or some of the leaders of this group, which is enlightened minorities pursuing opportunities where everyone rises. And Rayvon, can you give me a little feedback or a little bit of history of this? Because this group just started last fall. So can you kind of tell me how this kind of came about and how you got involved in it? Well, really, um, at, at the beginning, um, to be honest, um, Serenity played a far, far um, bigger role than I in getting this group started, um, along with Taylor Haynes, um, who just graduated, who was our president last year, and Philip Hall. Um, and they, they, they called me in um, for an interview because they, they, were, they were talking to me. They were about a group um, consisting of um, uplifting athletes of color and really just giving us a voice and when they said that like that's that's all that I needed to hear and I'm just like when like when do you want me to interview um, because like that's something that I'm I'm really passionate about and I, and I feel like that's something that I haven't really shown much or have been given the opportunity um, to show um, and so, like, when, when they said that, like, I joined, um, and then the the first semester was more so just, just lots of planning. And then I ended up being able to go to the um, – Taylor and I um, went to the University of Texas, the Black Student Athlete Summit, which was a amazing, amazing experience. Um and then we had our first event for Empower. And after that, um, that's when COVID hit. But we plan to really just take off within this next year. Serenity, can you kind of fill me in of what your role was? How, how you kind of began starting this process? And, uh, I mean, obviously this comes at a time where it feels like a group like this is, is needed. Yeah, definitely. So, uh Rayvon's completely right. Um, I'm really good friends with Taylor. I've known her for a while. And the cool thing about both of us was, is that we were both um, retired athletes, right? So we had to kind of find a way to fill our time and everything like that. And Taylor had mentioned this group that she was starting up. And she's like, hey, do you want to be a part of it? And I'm like, uh, duh, why not? <laughs> Pretty much. So, uh, yeah, 
my mom's completely right. We just started like pushing papers, like getting the ball rolling, constitution. Like we were determined, right? Because especially because Taylor was leaving, we wanted to have this group already developed and everything like that. Um, so yeah, like I heard about it and Taylor and I, we worked about, worked it out and everything. Philip was involved too. Um, and then we like were interviewing people, getting names and everything like that to get it working. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was something that I always wanted to be a part of because we do go to a predominantly white institution. Um, and it's hard for athletes, especially minorities, to stand up and kind of develop their voice. And this group is a way to do it. Definitely. Well, Serenity, how many people are a part of this group? Um, you know, has there been more interest here lately? And what, what are kind of your goals? I mean, you kind of talked about it there to have a voice. What, what are the goals of Empower? So we do talk about um, doing development and stuff like that. So obviously like tweaking resumes and stuff, but our main focus is giving athletes a voice. So we do host a lot of we were supposed to host a lot of talks and everything like that, where we're just talking about things that's going on in the world and how it impacts us as being black athletes on campus. Um, yeah. So that's like our main focus. Right. And our first event, we had about 50 to 60 people, which was really, really good for us. Sorry. There you go. You're good. Okay. Yeah, which was really, really good for us. We were really excited about it and everything like that. And it seemed like everybody had a great time. Um, now that everything's going on in society, uh, we probably have majority, if not all, of the minorities mm -hmm. that are athletes, like, looking at us like, so what's going to happen? Yeah. Rayvon, you talked about you know, that this kind of gave you a voice of something that you felt like you, you want to have a voice in, but maybe didn't have that venue. What has this group provided for you? Um, and how has it kind of just developed you um, as a person? This, this, this group um, gave me uh, a sense of community. I mean, just being an African-American man, um, whether in sport or out of sport, um, often just feeling as though my voice just doesn't matter often just used to just being ignored shunned silenced um and so like hearing about this it, it, it gave me a sense of community um and 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 you hear that in the name because it, it's it's not our power our the the power in our voices um, the the power and our unity and in, in coming together it doesn't come from from anyone else from from any authority it comes from each other and us lifting each other up um, because we control our own destiny we take control um, in the narrative and and it, and it goes and it goes so much deeper than just sport and I think that's very obvious and prevalent now um, in this time. And, and this group all also gave me some confidence um, and, and, and going to these protests and, and just being bold and just being 
outspoken um, while also remaining peaceful, while also respecting um, everyone. But it's caused some discomfort. It's caused um, a little bit of backlash and some people not to like me, but I mean, I can care less. Uh, I'm I'm going to do um, what's right because I know in my heart, I believe in my heart that we deserve better. Um, we definitely deserve better because there, there, there are so many, there are so many, too many opportunities um, that black people just don't have. Um, and, 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 and I, I can't just, just sit by um, when I know, when I know now, now we, we really have a chance to really create real change. We have a chance to create real change. And so um, I'm thankful for this group um, giving me confidence um, and like having my back um, and and more so being with me. Um, Although I'm the president, it's not like they're all just behind me. No, they're all like um, right beside me um, going through the fire with me. And so that that definitely um, gives me um, some confidence and a little bit of peace going through all this. Serenity, how about for you? What does this group provide for you um, as, as a former student athlete and, and just uh, an African-American female on campus? So for me, it's a little bit more, um, you know, with retirement and everything like that, like your team continues on, right? So, um, and I had real trouble with, I'm not with my team on a day-to-day basis anymore. I'm not there with them dying at practice or dying in conditioning and stuff like that. And, but they would still come to me. Right. Um, so for me, like empower was definitely like my family, right? We got, we are super, super close. Um, it didn't matter what was going on or anything like that. Like if you had a problem, you knew that we could talk about it in empower and there are people there to have your back. So for me, I like to say that I had a very strong voice and everything like that and um, confidence, but it was just having somebody outside of softball, um, but can still relate to me being an African-American woman on this campus. Well, Rayvon, I know people know who you are being a football player who's scored touchdowns, but obviously you are way more than that. You said you graduated early. You're a man of faith. I know that. And, and now you're lending your voice uh, to, to this movement uh, across the country. And it's, it's not just now that this is happening. It's been happening for a while. Um, for you, uh, what has this been like to, to give your voice to this? Um, is somebody that, you know, some fans don't want to hear you, uh, college athletes talking about this, but others are, are, are inspired by it. Um, what's it been like for you? Um, well, it's, it's been very, I mean, very emotional. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of anger. Um, it's a lot of pain um, attached to this. Um, it, it's it's been it's been very frustrating, and at other times I've I've also been hopeful. 
Um, and like with the fans that don't want me to speak up, that don't want us to speak up. It's just like the players from Iowa said, don't, don't come to the games. Um, don't, don't bother watching us on TV because if you, if you like the, the fact that saying black lives matter bothers you, bothers you is so very unsettling. And, 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 and those people are also part of the problem. Those people are also part of the problem because some people, some people who like to say all lives matter or some people who um, like to make it um, about a flag. It, 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 it's, it's very, very fresh, frustrating um, because, because I believe that a lot of people know that it's, it's not just about the flag. Um, I believe that a lot of people know that we're not just saying that only black lives matter. I believe that a lot of people know that, um, and they use the flag and they use all lives matter, um, to just be implicit, um, in their racism because some people or many people, they don't want to give up that white privilege. It's like, it's like, no, I have this privilege and I know it and I don't want to let that go. I don't want for there to be equality. I, I don't want for there to be, to be equity. And, and, and then when you, when you provide context, when you provide, when you provide history, when you provide facts such as how uh, uh, an African-American is three times more likely to, to be killed by an officer, how, how African-American women are the most educated, but the least paid, like, like, like I can go on and on, um, forever. And, 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 and some people, some people don't want to become comfortable being uncomfortable and having a conversation that needs to be had because now, now that it, it's gotten too big, like, the, the 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 issue it, it just runs too deep and it's gone for too long um because it, it it doesn't it doesn't make sense how this is an issue that my grandma witnessed that this is an issue that coach smith had to witness growing up and that it's still happening now um and 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 for people who want to say um that it's about um, a flag. What, what about what about all of our grandfathers? What about all of our grandfathers who 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 had to come back from a war with with the Fifteenth um, Amendment being ratified in eighteen seventy? But then you have Jim Crow, and then you have the grandfather clause, um, and then you have poll taxes and literary tests, um, and 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 and. You're 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 de you're still denying people their right to vote, even though it's their constitutional right. And so, that, like 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 that's that's that's. I, I mean I mean I, I I could go on sure. forever sure. and ever, but I mean this time it, it's been very frustrating. It's been very painful. But the thing that does give me hope that I keep reminding myself, that I keep reminding my friends about, I said, look. Like we're, we're so far away from getting to where we need to be in this country um, as far as equality goes. And, and we might we might not see it in our lifetime, but I know 
that we're going to progress. I said, because I have, we have more white allies than our parents and our grandparents could have ever dreamt of. I mean, I, I, I see white kids standing up to their parents and saying, I'm like, I'm not going to be like that. Uh, I'm not going to choose to be racist. I'm not going to choose to dislike this person because they look differently than I do. Um, and so that is that is one thing um, that that does give me hope. Uh, but the reality is we still have a man like Trump in office. Um, the, the, the reality is you you still have white supremacists out there. You still have the white elite out there. Um, the fact is we, we, we still we still, um, are going to have to deal with um, systemic oppression. Um, and I just, I just have to make sure that I don't stop fighting. We have to make sure that we don't stop fighting because I feel though that it's, that it's disrespectful um, for me to stop fighting because people, people like, Harriet Tubman, um, whose birth name was Araminta Ross. And that's something that they don't even teach us in school either. Um, and that's a whole other conversation. Um, she didn't expect it to just stop there um, because without Harriet Tubman, there's no Martin Luther King. With no Martin Luther King, um, there's no Barack Obama. Um, and without Barack Obama, there's no whoever comes after that. Um, and so all these people, they, they didn't expect um, for the fight to just stop there. Yeah. Um, they knew that even throughout their lifetime, that those 30 to 40 years, that was just a battle of a very long war. Um, and, and, and I know that it, it, it's, it's my obligation. It's, it's my duty um, to, to stand up for my people and, and to do more than just protest. Uh, like we're uh, like Coach Smith said in this interview, we're all um, we're all um, registering to vote. And and um, a teammate of mine, Caleb Griffin and I, we brought to coach's attention like we don't want to just like have guys vote. We need to have a conversation on who and what like what it means, like for each person that you vote, um, what their plans are, um, what policies and laws will be put into place, like um, having the knowledge on all of that. We need to have a discussion on all of that because if you just vote just to vote, I mean, um, you may know who you're voting for, but you don't know what you're voting for. And, and like, that's the important thing. And so, um, I mean, because it, it's far, far deeper than just police brutality. It's, it's, it's far, far deeper than that. So it's just been a very emotional time. Well-spoken, Rayvon. I want to get into some of your experience here. Uh, but Serenity, I want to ask you, these last few weeks have to have been emotional. I think it's been emotional for our entire country, um, but I obviously can't put myself in you guys' shoes. What has this been like for you? I mean, have you had um, you know, down moments? Have you had uplifting moments? What has this last couple of weeks been like for you? Definitely. Um, it's been up and down. It's been crazy. Um, 
yeah, like to just put it like that, it's been a very, very emotional time for me and my family, um, especially like in the area that we live in. Like I'm the oldest of four and I have two brothers in between. Um, so we've always we lived in a very diverse area. But like if we drive 30 minutes, then there's Confederate flags everywhere. So it it's. It's very taxing emotionally. And then like having it having to explain this and the fact that my nine year, nine year old sister knows what's going on and knows that it's a problem. And there's people out here that don't see it as an issue. It just, it hurts. Definitely. It hurts. Like for the people that say a lot about the flag and that their parents or grandparents and great grandparents fought in wars and stuff like that. And I come from a military family. You know what I'm saying? So, like, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, like, they were all in the military, and they don't see a problem with us kneeling for the flag for a bigger purpose, right? Uh, a lot of it, a lot of the, I, I fight for your freedom and stuff like that, like, it, it's, it's so much more than that, right? Um, and... I don't think, I think people are just using it as an excuse, right? But it's really, us not making a change affects people like my 16-year-old brother or my 17-year-old brother and my nine-year-old sister. And the fact that my dad's 50 years old or almost 50, and this is still something that's very prevalent in his life. Like, my grandparents walked the civil rights movement and everything like that, and my dad's doing it. And I just went out to protest in DC and my grandmother's with me again, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it history is repeating itself and it's not in a good way. Um, so yeah, it's been a very, very emotional time for me and my family. And being that I play a predominantly white sport, uh, we're losing a lot of friendships that we've had since I was seven years old. Mm. Right. Because, they're not standing up. They are silent or they are stating their opinions and their opinions affect my nine-year-old sister or my 16 and 17-year-old brother. Um, it's sad. Right. It really is sad, but it, it's not going to, um, we're not going to stop. My family's not going to stop. Right. It, you lose people along the way and everything like that. And that's very sad and it sucks, but we're fighting a bigger fight. Mm -hmm. Like I'm fighting for, my nine-year-old sister. I'm fighting for my 16 and 17-year-old brother or my five-year-old cousin. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so much more than the flag. It's so much more than people feeling uncomfortable because you have to have uncomfortable conversations every single day. Like, whether you're in a work environment, whether you're on a team, uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable conversations is something that you have to deal with, right? And this conversation has been long overdue. Absolutely. Rayvon, I'm just wondering, um, I hope a lot of people are listening, right? The people that can't put themselves in your shoes, like myself. I grew up in a rural town, son of a farmer, generation, third generation, fourth generation farmer. 98% uh, of my school looked like me. Um, but I get to the University of Illinois and I, I've experienced so much diversity. I meet so many different people. And I feel like I've done that over the last you know, 12 years in this job too. But I still can't put myself 
in your shoes. So, so Rayvon, just as a, a black man in this country, what was that? Was it like for you growing up? What is it like for you now as, as a black man student athlete in, in the U.S.? Um, growing up, growing up, um, I definitely didn't know what I know now. Um, things that my mother um, would tell me. Um, growing up, um, I didn't. I didn't think much of it. I was very, I was very gullible, um, and I always just. I mean, I was never a person to expect the worst from people. I always just expected the best um, from everyone. Growing up, I was that kind of child. Um, and, and then, as as I got older, and then as I started learning more learning more about what it means to be black for me and what it means um, to be black through the eyes um, of white people. Um, that was, um, that, that was uh, very, very uh, tough for me. But like, like the thing is like about me, I was always, I mean, I was always the the really fast kid or the really strong kid, and so people people liked me or tolerated me because of that. Um, but I, I never I never really put much thought into um, how people how people would have viewed me had I not um, been a good athlete. Um, I, I never, I never, um, had that thought. And now that I look back on it, um, and, and it's, and it's really just, it's really the small things. It's really the small things how when I walk in the store and then eyes are on me the entire time, um, it, it, it's, it's how when, um, I get pulled over with my white friends, um, and, police officer says she needs to see my hands out um it's it, it, it's stories how um when I'm, I'm i'm just a little boy cutting through a neighborhood um and i i turn around and and i see this white man walking towards me um and i don't think much of it until i turn around and i see that he's heading for me and then he begins to chase me but luckily I mean, even when I was a little boy, I was still fast enough to be able to to run away. Um, things like um, even speaking at my signing day and, and people saying things like, oh, well, you, you spoke very eloquently. And it's like, well, you didn't say that to any of the white people who went up there and spoke. Why are you saying it as though... Um, it's a surprise, and, and even with me graduating early now, um, it's it's almost as just it's just a, a shocker um, to some people. It's like, oh wow, like you you graduated you graduated early, and people say like, oh, they would be excited if they if for anybody who graduated. Early. Like, no, I'm like I'm I'm not an idiot. Um, I, like I I've learned I've learned um, too much. Um, like like I've had too many experiences. Um, and, and, and I, and I know, 
and understand when, when people are being implicit. Um, I, I, I know and understand um, that people um, expect me to fail, expect me to be um, that, that wild um, black man. I know that people, you see, here, like here, here's the thing, people, people, it's like they, they just want to keep black people on a leash. Like you go ahead and you, you guys, you, you play your sports, uh, but just leave it at that because it, 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 it doesn't make sense to me how when we say something, it's be quiet. And when Drew Brees says something, he has an opinion. Um, and, and, and yes, he does have a right to his opinion. Um, so why don't we? And that's the and that's the crazy thing. And then that's the conversation that people keep trying to avoid. Um, and so, growing growing up um, as a as a as a black person, um, I I mean I was always I was always afraid to just be around um, cops anywhere, especially especially in the store. Um, cause it'd be like, oh, like, I don't want them to think that I'm stealing. So let me hurry up and get what I need and go up, make sure they see me paying for it. Uh, pr- always presenting myself, um, or code switching so that people can feel more comfortable. Um, so that people don't see me, um, as a threat or that I seem, um, like a thug, uh, because people make all these assumptions. And then when I speak to them, it's, oh, He's actually a nice person, um, and 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 now people ask me if if I'm afraid. I said no. I said I'm not afraid. I said because I've always been black, and so I, I've I've always um, I've always seen how um, that any good that I do, how white people try to discredit discredited in any way how I, I see how they don't want me to use my voice to to push change because it challenges their privilege that they don't want to give up as I mentioned before um, they 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 don't they don't want me to be in Like, it's mind-boggling how people can't see that. Because from the beginning, when we were slaves, we were we were free labor. We were we were property, like like literal property. So so that means that we weren't worth any more than than this pair of glasses right here. We weren't worth any more than this. Um, and 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 now. Uh, it, 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 it's like it's like it's not the same. Um, well, no, no. In in some ways, it's similar, but it just looks different. Um, always just being made to please them because they, because because I, I promise you, all these all these um, white fans who are saying this, I promise you that I promise you that most of their kids listen to. All the music, all the rappers, um, all the R&B music that we put out, um, they all watch stuff like Black Panther. They all 
Um, they all watch the sports. They all watch LeBron James. They all watch Lamar Jackson. Um, but when we, but when we show that no, like we're actually a human being when we take that uniform off, and even our soldiers, even our soldiers, our African American soldiers, even when they take the uniform off, and we're still human beings, it's just nah. No one to hear what you gotta say. Who cares um, what you have to say? Um, and, and so, I mean, growing up as a black man, it's 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 hard. Um, it was always hard. I just hadn't realized um, how hard it was at first. But I mean, as I get older, it only becomes more prevalent. It only becomes more obvious. Um, and I continue to to research. I continue to read books. I continue to um, educate myself because I, I I believe that that's my most dangerous weapon as a black man. An educated black man is something that's very scary for white people to see. Um, and and so I'm very I'm, I'm passionate when it comes to um, the classroom as well. I'm very passionate. Um, and and the thing is, though, being a black man, it, it how hard, how hard and difficult that is. It's still nowhere near as tough, believe it or not. It's still nowhere near as tough as being a black woman in this country. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. The stories of, of, of how my mom gets treated. Uh, things that that could be said to my sister that never happened when I'm present. Um, that it never happened when I'm present, but it's 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 hard, and and I and I just feel like hard, difficult. Like it's 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 no word that I can really find to explain like um like the magnitude of of this. Um, but I mean, it's, we're, we're gonna, we're, I mean, uh, I have to have a duty to my mother to keep fighting. I have a duty to my grandmother to keep fighting. I, I mean, I have to, I have to, cause black lives do matter and, 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 and all lives can't matter until black lives do as well. Um. And so it's, it's, it's definitely difficult. Um, and, and, and it's something like there's something like pe- people like they need to listen to it. And it can't be something that um, becomes platitudinous because it is too big. It's too big um, for us to just try to dismiss it. It's, it's too big for us to just try to um, go around it because. No, I mean, like Serenity said, that there, there, there are some friendships are being lost during this time because true colors are being shown during this time. Um, so I, I can't even find a word to describe how difficult um, it is. Um, and, and I believe that, I mean, that's something that uh, maybe I could have said sooner, but it's, it's not it's not our job 
to educate white people on these issues. It's that's not our job. It's not our job to meet them halfway. We're the ones being oppressed. We're the ones struggling. We're the ones out here being killed. You 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 see that man with his with his knee on his neck and his facial expression just showed I'm good. I'm safe. I know I'm going to make it out of this. That's what his facial expression showed. And, and, and you hear people like the girl who was committed to Marquette's have the audacity to say that if we can kneel, if people can kneel during the national anthem, that we can kneel on their necks. For someone to have the audacity to say something like that, it just it just brings more light to show that no racism is it, it's it's not gone. It's, it's, it's not gone. It, it, it's not, and maybe it's not as explicit as it used to be, but so many people are implicit in it. So many people, so many people. Um, and so it, it, it's hard and, it, and it's sad and it, it hurts. It hurts like hell. It does every day. Every day is painful. Serenity, I wanted to ask you and Rayvon, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Rayvon kind of said it. Um, being an African-American woman, being a, in a, you said a sport that's predominantly white. What was your experience? Can you share that? Um, so my parents, for me growing up, my parents really, really made sure that we had a voice, right? And if we felt like something was wrong or something like that, that we should speak up. Um, and as a kid, I was very, very introverted. I barely talked to anybody and everything like that. Um, but I was watching, right? Um, like my my parents did or are doing very, very well for themselves. Like, and I'm obviously proud, but my parents sat us all down, all four of us. Um, and I can remember being five eight years old and my mom telling me yeah it's gonna be hard for your brothers as black men but they're gonna have to work two times as hard and you're gonna have to work four times as hard just because you are a black woman in america right and that's something that a lot of black women i feel like are told right and i see how hard my mom works every single day um, and I see how her company treats her, right? My mom's been working for this co- the same company for 17 years, okay? And they really, really can't do anything without her, but they don't pay her the right amount. Um, there was an incident where my mom was like, you know what, this is too stressful. This is too much on my family. I'm going to leave. And they gave her a raise, but they gave everybody else in the company a raise three times as high, higher than hers, right? And that's just stuff. Like, my mom came home, she's like, shoot, I got a raise. And then a week later, she's like, well, shoot, everybody got a raise. And their raise is three times higher than the raise that I got. But I'm doing all of their jobs. Right. Uh, So I understand it. 
being raised by like the female and females in my family are very, very strong. Like my grandmother, my great grandmother, they're still working. Right. And not because they have to, but just be just because they can and they do have a high role and they can bring in other black women and kind of show them the ropes. Right. Um, I my my mom, my grandmother, they all put that in my head at very at a very young age. And it's sad that that has to be put in to a five year old's head or eight year old's head. But that's the reality. Right. Um, but like I said, I didn't really talk that much as a kid, but I always was watching. Right. Like I see how police officers pull over my dad who is in a $60,000 car and they pull him over for no reason. The fact that he's in a $60,000 car and he's a 280 black man. Right. Like, there's no other reason. Like there was incidents where my dad's been pulled over and they've asked for a license insurance and everything like that. And the fact that he had USAA and they assumed that he was in the military, they were like, Oh no, you're free to go. Like, thank you for your service and everything like that. Um, it, it's stuff, it's stuff like that. But like, Growing up in a predominantly white sport, Rayvon's completely right. They want us to play our sport and shut up, right? And if we do any more than that, then we're angry. We're aggressive. Um, my mom tells me this all the time. She's like, you have to think about the way that you say things because you don't want to be perceived as an angry black woman, mm -hmm. right? Which is what society sees black women all the time. Right. And it's not that we're angry or anything like that, but we are tired of having to explain ourselves constantly. Okay. Like at the totem pole, in the totem pole where every single race is at, we are the dirt that is standing on top. Right. You set the totem pole on top of black women. Like we're not even on the pole. If we're being real honest, if I'm being real matter of fact, we are not on the pole at all. Okay, and you see a lot of black women that are very, very educated that go out like my grandmother is going to get her master's degree. Right. She's 60 something years old and has been working for the same company for 12 years, but she's getting her master's degree just so she can stay on top of her game. You know what I'm saying? It's stuff that we have to go the extra mile as being black women. Um, and it sucks. Right. Like it's obviously like a great thing and everything like that. We stay educated and stuff like that. But it sucks that we have to prove ourselves so much to get so little. Um, and that's something that my mom, my grandmother, they know that in my head when I was young. They do the same thing with my little sister now. Like they're like, listen, you got to make sure these, 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 these are all in order. All your ducks have to be in line. Okay, or if there's if there's one duck out of line, then you will not be taken seriously. And that is very much unfortunate because people make mistakes all the time. Right. Um, but Rayvon's completely right. Like, I was told to be quiet and play softball. Right. And the fact that I was quiet, 
but I was educated. I'm we're seen as tokens. Oh no, they're different, right? They're no, they're they're not like the rest of them, right? And I'm very much black, just like my mom or just like my grandmother or Rayvon. I'm very much black. My parents taught me that you are a black woman in America, not anything else, right? They teach us how to survive being minorities in this country, right? Um, and growing up, that's really how it was. It was, no, Serenity, you can't do that. No, you can't go out and hang out like the rest of the people, like your, the rest of your friends. Um, no, you need to be in the house by seven o'clock. You know what I'm saying? And I live in a very secure neighborhood and everything like that, but my dad still gets pulled over coming into this neighborhood. Um, my cousins who live in the neighborhood beside us, they saw him running. He's 14 years old. He's running with a hoodie on. He plays basketball, just going for a run. And a lady drove and was taking pictures of him right and he's like freaked out he's 14 years old he's like well i'm gonna go home and we're like why is this grown woman taking pictures of a 14 year old boy who's running just because he has a hoodie on and he's black right it's it's stuff like that like my brothers know not to that there's a certain point in the neighborhood they can run to and then they run right back Right. The, these things that you're taught, that my parents taught us so that we are safe. Um, no, you can't go out. I didn't really have a social experience, one, because I played softball, but two, because my parents wanted to keep us inside as much as we can um, to kind of keep us away from what the real world was but they still kept it real with us and was like listen this stuff is happening in the world and we want you we want to know your opinion about it but we want you to be safe right and that was one of the biggest concerns for my parents when go like when saying i wanted to go to university of illinois because there's a ton i was getting recruited by a ton of institutions that were close to home um but I wanted to go out and venture out and have a new experience and everything like that. And so my parents like put the rules out, like you're not allowed to go off campus. If you go off campus, you need to be with these amount of people, right? Um, if you need groceries, we'll rather pay for you to have them delivered than you going out in a predominantly white, like champagne is pretty mm -hmm. Caucasian right? Institute, because we don't know. It's unknown. It's not safe. We have no family out here. All my family lives in DC or they live 25 minutes away from me in Virginia, right? Um, yeah. So it, it's just something that we are taught that it's very unfortunate as Black women that we have to go through and Black men have to go through life learning how to survive from a country that our great grandparents built, mm -hmm. right? Like if we're keeping it real, like mm 
it it sucks it's hard and it's emotional but it's becoming something normal right it's normalized in our country that this is what you have to do to survive um and it's getting to the point where it doesn't matter what we do that we're still walking around with a big old target on our backs Ravon, I wanted to ask you answer any of this, um, but what was your protest experience like? Um, what did you take away from that? And what do you take away from what you're seeing from around the country right now with all the protests? Um, my, my protest experience um, was kind of unexpected. Um, I didn't expect it to speak. At the first one, um, if I hadn't spoken at the first one, then I probably wouldn't have spoken at the second one either. Um, and I'll be at another one this Saturday. Um, but the 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 first one, a girl, uh, she just gave me the megaphone and just said, "We need to hear your voice. They need to hear your voice." Um, and like I, I just began to speak. Um, the the experience uh, from the first one and the second one were, were a bit different. The second one being downtown and the first one being in the, in, in the suburbs, predominantly white. Um, and the, the experience, the experience, um, it, it was very heartwarming because at that protest, um, at the first one, it was only about four five black people at the protest um and and in my head i'm thinking like i'm thinking like people people may ignore us they won't ignore them they won't ignore their own um, even even if even if they don't even if they don't want to hear they, they are 10 times more likely to listen um, to one of their own, um, they 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 are more likely to listen to someone who looks like them, um, but who opposes um, what they believe in, um, and and so that 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 was very encouraging um, at that first one, but but downtown the second one, it, it, there there were more officers patrolling and and all that stuff. Um, and it was a, it was a lot more diverse. Like there there were there were black, there were white, there was Hispanic. Like it was it was very diverse at the second one. Um, and, and and depicting this beautiful um, picture of unity of of, of of what it ought to look like. Um, and. And so the both experiences um, were were very great. Um, the first one, um, very like hopeful and encouraging. The second one was was more was more um, was more of a risk, I'd say, because the second one, where you're especially downtown. I mean, you're more bound to get tear gas and all that other stuff. Like all that stuff is more bound to happen. Um, downtown, but I'm willing to I'm willing to take that risk. 
Um, just like all those leaders before me, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk. So, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely appreciate um, both opportunities um, to go. And I'm looking forward to the one this upcoming Saturday. Serenity, um, just being right outside D.C., um, obviously there's a national spotlight on that always, but especially now, given yeah. what's been going on there. Uh, what was your experience like? Uh, can you kind of take me through what that's been like for you there? So um, I actually was only able to go to one just because it was very, very, very um, crazy in D.C. It was very much scary and everything like that. And uh, my dad's actually originally from D.C., so he knows what it's like. Um, so, like, but we were, my family was still very much involved Um my dad would buy like cases of water and like bring it to the protesters and stuff like that. My mom was doing the same thing. Like we were doing stuff like that. And then um, when the governor of DC basically kicked the marshal out and everything like that, we were like, okay, this is perfect. We can go. Um, so we ended up going and it was absolutely amazing. Right. Um, so there was basically 10 protesting going on all along DC and everybody marched in the center where uh, the black lives matter is now painted on the street. So everybody marched there and then they went back out and then they marched back in and they went back out. So basically we were covering all of DC, which was absolutely, it was an amazing experience. Um, I went with, it was, my mom, my uh, grandmother, and my little sister. And my grandmother, we were talking about it afterwards, and she was like, it's crazy how many white people there are out in the streets. Like, when we were going, it was actually a white male who was leading the chants and everything like that. And we were, took it, like, we were taken back. Right. Like my grandma was like, holy crap. It's not just a whole bunch of black people out here, which is amazing. Um, uh, for me, for us, we still lacked a lot of other minorities. Right. We um, it was pretty much black and white people out there. There were a few um, from other minority groups and everything like that. But um, which for me was pretty upsetting right because we are a like i live in probably one of the most diverse areas in the country um so it was like where where are all the minorities at because it's not just black people like a year ago they were tossing people over the border to other countries that weren't even theirs so it it's it all the minorities really needed to get together and have each other's back and from where i was other minority groups weren't there, but it was very much black and white. Um, but overall, the experience was absolutely amazing. And we're excited to do it again. Like, we went and made a whole day out of it. We um, got posters and everything. And my little sister was writing on them and coming up with different things. And we were just like, my girlfriend and I we were like, okay, she really does know what's going on in the world. Um 
Yeah, and like we're like she is a nine year old doing research because my little sister my little sister doesn't have any social media or anything like that. Like my parents are strict in the sense that you don't get social media till you're a sophomore in high school. Um so yeah, so she she's out doing her research as a nine year old. She's not like watching Roblox and doing stuff like that. She's like, I'm gonna Google what's going on because it affects my dad and my brothers. Um, but overall, like we went to, excuse me, we went to the protest and it was 100% amazing. There were people out there lined up on the sidewalks, like both sides, like you couldn't walk two steps without someone offering you cold water or Gatorade or snacks or um, they actually have, um, which I think I have right here, a care package that they were giving out to people. Yep. They were giving out care packages and it has a mask in it. There were people handing out masks, um, a towel. They have fruit, fruit snacks, granola bars, Gatorade and water. Cool. And they were pretty much like, take a bag, take a bag, take a bag. Every single corner you go, it was, here's a bag, stay hydrated. It's a hot day. Like there are people out there that are supporting the movement, which was a really, really big deal. Um, there are, like, there were still police officers out there, obviously. Um, and we left once we saw the police helicopter, just because you never know what can go on, what could go on. And there were police officers, like, on the roofs of museums, Right. And stuff like that. Just like watching us, everything like that. And it was it was a little bit uncomfortable, very much intense because we were literally just marching. There was nothing else. There were people handing out cold beverages and everything like that. And we were just chanting. And I, I could while we were chanting the echo from like other people chanting and everything like that, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life right um and dc like you know has a ton of marches all the time um but that was by far like the best one that i've been to and the experience was hands down like i said was the best experience ever and my little sister came back and got in the car and she was like when's the next one um i want to go again she's like it's a lot of walking but I, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> well, both of you, um, unlike probably a lot of, of black student athletes, uh, both have black head coaches uh, or had black head coaches in your sport. Um, I'm wondering, what does that mean to you, Rayvon? And, you know, uh, to hear Lovey say what he said Friday and, and how do you feel about the support of the university and athletic department throughout this? Um, just that factor. Um, well, I mean, that, that definitely played a part. Um, I mean, that definitely played a part in like the recruiting process. Like one, um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to play for a coach who was, a who I knew would be a good man and who I knew, um, uh, who I knew would be able to relate to me. And more than just that way, um, 
and because I mean, at the time, like at the time where I was coming, when I was coming in, uh, like now, like Illinois, we have the most African American head coaches in the country. Um, and but when, like when I was coming in, the only school in the country with a head coach and both coordinators were all African American. Um, and and I felt as though um, that said a lot about the university, but we. <laughs> Um, I mean, sometimes that doesn't that doesn't um, necessarily tell you the the full story of what goes on behind the scenes. Um, although I, I I definitely believe that I definitely believe that Josh Whitman is is behind the movement. Um, I I definitely believe that um, he's been. Um, very active in making sure that our voices are heard and making sure like every team, he made it mandatory for every team to have this conversation. Um, and like, I, I, I definitely appreciate the support. And, and that means, and that, and that means the world to me because he's not, um, I mean, because there, there are some, there are some black people um, uh, especially those who you, you get to a certain point, you, you, you make some money and then, um, you get all whitewashed. Um, and, and I just said how it is like, you, you have some coons out there. I'm like, I'm not going to hold anything back. You like, you have some coons out there and, and I don't care how much money I could ever make. I don't care what my status could ever be. I can never forget about my black people in the suburbs. I can never forget about my black people in the hood. I can never forget about any of them. Um, because the thing is, no matter how much money I have, I will always be black. Um, and I'm not gonna ever forget that. And, and, and I'm not gonna um, live my life to just live my life um, to just make white people happy. I refuse, like, I refuse to live that way where that becomes my life. Um, and like, I refuse to do that. And, 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 and coach Smith and coach Smith, he's not, he's not, he, he was never, he was never really like, from what I've seen, he's not really like an outspoken person, as you can see. Um, but um, just having conversations with him, like one on one, and over the years, and especially now, um, being older, like our, our relationship has gotten like a lot, a lot stronger. Um, and it's it, it's 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 honestly it's honestly a blessing, like not only to have a black coach, but to have a black coach who's really for his people, like that, like that means the world. Um. That means the world to me. Um, that means everything. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's just a blessing. But now I actually have to go and tutor some kids for my internship. <laughs> you you um, go do that, Ravon. I, I, Ravon, I really appreciate you sharing your story, man. Really appreciate um, you sharing all your experience. I think it's eye-opening for people, and I think it's uh, important for people to listen to to your perspective. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Rayvon. Appreciate that. No problem. Bye, Rayvon. <laughs> well, Serenity, I'm, I'm wondering your perspective. I mean, 
we've seen the NFL, like representation, the Rooney rule, you know, some people are like, oh, just hire the best person. But representation seems to matter, um, especially for an African-American playing in the sport that, you know, like Rayvon's predominantly African-American, but for yours, that uh, isn't. Uh, I would imagine having an African-American head coach, uh, what was that experience like? Um, It was different. It was very, very much different. Um, Going through the recruiting process and even playing, you didn't really see that many girls that looked like me. Um, And like I could tell you, there were three girls in my whole region that were black and played softball. And um, those are actually like my close friends now. I've known them since I started out. So like when I was like seven. Um, and it was a shock, right? Uh, to see, to go to a school and realize that I'm playing for a coach that looks like me. Not only is she black, but she's also a woman. You know what I'm saying? Like that it was, it's unheard of, especially at the level that we play or that I played and everything like that. It was completely unheard of. Um, But it's still like, my mom always told me that whenever you play for an African-American female, you have to make sure that you are on it 110%, right? Um, and so when I got here, when I got there, I thought it was going to be a different experience. And it was a different experience, right? Um, but for me, it's a little bit different because I didn't play for my coach. I actually came in my freshman year, got injured, came back in my sophomore year, got injured, and then my junior year got injured again. So I didn't, I fortunately, I I was not able to play for my coach. Um, I obviously did have conversations and I've known uh, my coach for a very long time um, because I was committed with her when she was at her previous school and she was one of the recruits that brought me over. but as far as like the whole DIA and administrators and everything like that, um, I think for me, when the whole situation happened, I expected more from our DIA because we do have a diversity and inclusion program set up. We we had all these things. So when the situation happened and we didn't, there was a lot of athletes that didn't hear anything that weren't being reached out to, I was completely shocked. Honestly, I was shocked Um, because that means there is a flaw in the system somewhere. And fortunately enough, we haven't power because that's where we came in because our administrators were like, listen, this is y'all's opportunity. Okay. Nobody knows what to say. Nobody knows what to do. Athletes are mad at athletes. Coaches are mad at athletes. It like, it was crazy. Right. And so they were like, we need to get on the call right now and we need to figure out what we're going to do so that we can be successful and continue this as a family. Um, Which I thought was amazing because I know there are a lot of colleges that do not have a program like this set up already. Um, And so they are still hearing nothing. 
And that's very much unfortunate, but we were like, like the cool thing about us is the fact that we are, we are student athletes running a group for student athletes. Right. And we are a registered RSO at the university. So we don't really have to follow the exact guidelines of being a student athlete. Right. Um, so we can do a lot, like we do have a lot more freedom. So when we got on the call, we're like just throwing ideas off of each other. And they're like, listen, Josh Woman already spoke to administrators. And I, earlier in that day, I got on a call with um, the soccer team and I was able to sit in and listen to the soccer team's talk and everything like that. And the cool thing about them was their coach actually went out and got the kids that graduated and their retired athletes and brought them back. And they also included their incoming freshmen. Right. So, cause regardless, like if you graduate or not, you're an alum and this is your family, right. You, you should think of the team that you're playing for the team that you're dedicating four years of your life to as your family. Right. Like, you sleep together, you ride the bus together, you're traveling, you're doing all these things together, you're dying together, you're happy together, like, this is your family, right? Um, so it was, like, their talk was, I thought was amazing, the fact that it was mandatory for the coaches to reach out and to set up this time to talk. I thought that was amazing. And then, like, going into our meeting and then having hosting a talk, <coughs> excuse me, via Zoom with student athletes was the, like, it was a brilliant idea. And it's something that we're going to continue to do. Like we were talking about hosting with um, doing a talk with coaches and doing a talk with coaches and student athletes. Like we want to hear from them and they need to hear from each other. Right. They need to have the uncomfortable conversation right. at the end of the day. And it, we were like, we're fortunate, like University of Illinois, student, like, um, excuse me, athletes are, we're very much fortunate that we have this program right now because a lot of schools do not and they don't know what to say and they don't know what to do. And athletes are mad right? Um, coaches are mad. Like they, so it's, we're basically setting up a platform for them, right? We're setting up something so that if another situation, which we hope not happens like this in the future, that we already know what to do. We're ahead of the curve, right? That we're going to have people there to have our back. We're going to make sure that we're reaching out and doing these things so that everybody feels comfortable, comfortable because we are a family. Well, Serenity, both you and Rayvon, I mean, it's been an emotional time, but you both sound a little encouraged um, by growing group of allies, maybe more people listening to what you have to say. And, and as Rayvon said, it's not your job to tell them what to do. Nobody on our e-board has a problem with answering a question about what it's like for a black person in America. But if you don't ask the questions, if you're not reaching out, right, then right now you look like someone that doesn't care. Right. So, so for people who are asking, well, what can I do? What more can I do 
to, to help equality? What, what would you tell them? Um, there's a ton of petitions around. There's a ton of places to donate. Um, all that, like, obviously that would be great. Reaching out is a big thing. Like you never, you don't realize how much one text message, like, how are you doing can affect somebody like that can change the mood of their whole day. Like, and you can disagree with the person, but you don't have to be disagreeable, right? You can, you can text me and say, how are you doing? And then I can go on a rant and it, you might not agree with every single thing that I'm saying, but you can listen, interpret it. You don't have to, oh no, you're wrong and argue back with me because these are my opinions and I have every right to state what I feel, especially if you're going to ask me, right? So we just need to make sure that we're respecting each other, obviously. And the biggest thing is, sorry, one second. <coughs> Excuse me. The biggest thing is when this is over, when this stops being a trend, we people need to make sure that they're still doing the proper things to make sure that this is not forgotten. Equality is something that should already be developed, right? This should, We shouldn't have to be going through this. But civil rights happened and then it kind of died down, right? Everything was okay. It was good enough for the moment, right? And then now we're back in the same situation, okay? And this is something that when the doors are closed, when everyone, it's not the trending hashtag and everything like that 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 still needs to be addressed these awkward conversations or these uncomfortable conversations still need to be had right when nobody's watching that's like that's like the biggest thing for athletes like what are you doing when nobody's watching right are you working out or are you sitting on the couch watch eating a bag of tape chips and that's the same thing with there like what are you doing when nobody's talking about it anymore are you still signing petitions are you still donating are you still reaching out to your friends or other black athletes like what are you doing when nobody is watching absolutely well serenity is there anything else you wanted to add anything i'm not asking or, or people aren't talking about <laughs> no i just want to thank you so much for this opportunity um we weren't able to get our full e-board because people are working and everything like that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for reaching out and setting this up because this is a big deal for us. Um, this is something that if you, if our whole e-board was here, you would have saw this is something that every single one of us are very, very passionate about. Um, we really do want to make a change. And if athletes are watching or anything like that from any other university, um, and you want to set up this program or something like that, you can obviously reach out to us. Um, yeah, we'll answer anything. If you need help setting it up, you can reach out to us because it took, like, we started this two semesters ago, right? So we started in the fall and we had our e-board set right when we were about to go to winter break. And then we had our first event in February. Mm -hmm. So like it, it can be done if you are 100% dedicated to the cause and you want to work at it and everything like that. Um, 
And if you need help, let us know. Like any other university that's watching this, if you think that your university needs this, definitely reach out to U of I. I know Ohio State has one for um, male athletes. I don't know if they have one for they have one for black male athletes. I don't know if they have one for female male athletes or female athletes, excuse me. Um, but yeah, definitely reach out and don't stop talking and texting people and signing petitions. Well, Serenity, thank you for using your voice, one. And two, thanks for, for sharing your perspective and, and what you guys are doing. I, th- I think it's great. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Illini Inquirer podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.